Good morning, and welcome to Paris Valley Community Church. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning. I want to thank those of you who have had some patience with us this morning. Um, let me tell you something. Someday, someday soon, we're going to be able to meet together in a church in person again. Until then, we do the best that we can with the technology that we have. And I'll tell you, we have a full house in here um, and, and some folks learning. And we're, we're, just, we're, we're so excited to be able to bring you this broadcast on uh, paris.online.church, on Facebook, and on YouTube. But we will be back together soon, and we're excited about this. Speaking about being together, I know Chantel had mentioned a few minutes ago, Outdoor Worship Night, a community outdoor worship night coming up this Friday. And it's at Temple Baptist Church, which is on North Paris, uh, North Paris Boulevard. And uh, we're excited to see you. We've got a, a great worship set for about an hour and a half. Um, bring, some, bring your chairs if you have some. Uh, we'll have some too, but we're just really excited. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd ask you to open them up with me to the first chapter of the New Testament book of Galatians as... We are continuing in a brand new sermon series called Why It Matters. We're looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul has written to the churches in Galatia. And we're really going to understand by the end of this sermon series why what we know, why what we've been taught really matters. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Let's say that you are going in to have surgery maybe on your elbow, okay, your right elbow. And so you go into the doctor's office and, and the nurses come around and they start prepping and, and, and uh, they're, they're bringing bandages and they're getting your left elbow all ready for surgery and, and you're sitting there and you're kind of wondering what they're doing. Does, does that really matter? So imagine this, Thanksgiving, we celebrate Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of, uh, of November Every, uh, every year. And so you have planned on people that are going to be coming over to your house, right? You're, you're making a meal for about 30 people. But one week early, your sister-in-law and all of the family, 14 kids, show up an entire early. And I'm wondering, does, does, does that matter? Really? I wonder if... You get paid every two weeks, and you show up on Friday to pick up your paycheck, and your boss hands you your paycheck, but it doesn't have your name on it. It has somebody else's name on it, but your boss says, you know what, that's nah, it's all right, that's yours, that's good. Would it matter? Of course it matters. It matters the question is why? Why exactly does it matter? Well, see, it matters because something important is dependent upon the truth of those actions. Your arm, the surgery you're about to have on your arm, is 100% dependent upon the doctor operating on the right and the correct elbow, right? If you think house guests coming over on Thanksgiving... Well, it matters if you're going to have enough food ready. It matters if you're going to have enough places to sleep ready for your house guests. It matters that they show up at the proper time. The financial stability of your household 
depends on your boss getting your name right on your paycheck. Because if any of these things are wrong, the outcome can be disastrous. The book of Galatians, we're going to see the Apostle Paul, who we met last week, who is going to write this letter to Christians, but he is telling them, people who are are young in their faith, he's saying, I've already come and I've taught you this, and it matters. Because if your faith is focused, and if your faith is believing anything else, the outcome can be disastrous. What if you took your paycheck in somebody else's name, you went to the bank, you said, you know what, this is my paycheck, go ahead and put it in my account. What's going to happen? Basically, you've got a false paycheck. The outcome of trying to deposit a false paycheck is almost like walking up to Judgment Day trying to cash a fake gospel. The outcome can be dangerous. I want you to realize something today that's really important is that what we're going to see is a great example of what happens when, when people who are young in their faith, they, they have no mentors next, nearby. They have no one really who they're listening to. And what happens when you don't have anyone spiritually that you're listening to in our world, you're going to get bombarded with messages. Our world loves to teach you worldly and secular theology, if you can call it that. It loves to help direct you to where it wants you to go. The people that Paul is, are, is writing to, the churches in Galatia, they were excited when Paul had been there previously. He'd come to some of these churches and he had taught them the true gospel. But now, Paul gets word that there's an issue. That this gospel that Paul taught them is different from what they're believing. So before we dive into this issue too much, I think we need to have a clear understanding of the gospel, the definition that we're going to be using throughout this sermon series. And I'm going to use something that Alistair Begg has, has mentioned. He says, here's the gospel in a phrase. Because Christ died for us, those who trust in him may know that their guilt has been pardoned once and for all. What will we have to say before the bar... Before the bar of God's judgment, only one thing. Christ died in my place. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Christ died in my place. You and I will all end up in in front of the judgment seat and have to atone for our sins. But you and I, Christians, simply say, you know what? Christ died for me. That is the good news of the gospel. I want you to hear what Paul has to say, what he's writing to the churches in Galatia. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 6, if you'll join me. There we are in the New Living Translation. Paul writes this, he says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. 
let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news that is one that other than what we preach to you. And I'll say it again, as I've said before, if anyone preaches any other good news or gospel than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Those are pretty strong words from the Apostle Paul as he's writing back to this church. I want you to see this. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those who are taking notes, write this down. There is only one true gospel And it's the good news of God's grace. There is only one true gospel. And it's the good news of God's grace. The Apostle Paul was a missionary. He was somebody who would come into a town. He would would teach people. He would start a church. He would bring leaders together. And then he was off to his next city. He was going somewhere else. So he would leave people with the message of the gospel and continue on his journey to teach other people. What was happening is that there was a group that was coming behind him. We call them the Judaizers. These are people who were Christian Jews. They they were Jewish, but they had an understanding of Christ. The Judaizers would come behind Paul. Paul would leave to a different city and they would come behind and they would try and sway the people who Paul had already talked to. What was happening is that they were saying to the new Christians, they were saying, yeah, Christ is a way, but in order to become a Christian, you first have to follow the Jewish law. You have to follow the dietary laws. You have to follow the ceremonial laws. You have to follow circumcision. You need to first become Jewish before you can become Christian. Now, Paul's missionary journeys are to Gentiles. I know I'm throwing a lot of terms at you this morning, but Gentiles are people who are, are not Jews. Paul is in, in, at this point, he's in like Turkey, southern Turkey, modern-day Turkey, so, southern and uh, uh, um, kind of the middle area of, of Turkey, this area of Galatia. These people didn't grow up. Most of them did not grow up with the Jewish scriptures. But what these Judaizers are doing, they're coming and they're saying, you need to understand the law of Moses before you can become Christian. I want to tell you something. That is what a cult does. You hear the term cult thrown around in our world from time to time. It's, and, and we're going to look deeper into this definition, but, but basically the Judaizers are creating a cult. They're coming in with cult teachings that are saying, yeah, you know what Paul taught you? What, what Paul said was true, but... You also need to follow this before you can achieve the salvation that Christ has for you. We're going to do a little cult math this morning, okay? Looking at math and looking at cults and looking at things that happen and and, and why we need to be very careful if anyone tries to change the gospel that you know. If anyone tries to change the gospel that we see in the Bible. See, here's here's four things. Four things we need to be very careful of. And in modern day, we would call these cults that, that one will add to Scripture. Anyone who adds to Scripture 
I need you to be very careful of. Maybe, maybe you've got a, a, another a faith system that says, you know what, yeah, the Bible's good, but it's not all you need. You need this other book. You need to read this other book and put as much emphasis in this book as you do in the Bible. So you need the Bible plus something. Be very careful. Also, there are other cults that will subtract. We're doing more math. They will, they will subtract from the person of Christ. They will say, Jesus was either man or he was God, but he wasn't both. He, he, was, he was born a man. He was always a man. He was never God. He was never a person of the Trinity, which we know the, the Bible clearly, clearly teaches us. So if, if you come across somebody who is subtracting from the person of Christ, we know that this is a warning sign. This is something that we don't need to be listening to because that's dangerous. There are other groups that actually multiply the requirements for salvation. They say it's your faith plus your works, or there's other requirements that you need to do. You need to knock on so many doors. You need to uh, perform so many actions. Your works need to multiply that, that are combined with your faith to achieve salvation. Faith alone isn't going to be enough. Multiplying to salvation is dangerous. Finally, there are other cults and other groups that divide the loyalty of believers. When your loyalty is divided, a lot of times what we'll see is that maybe there is a Maybe there is a leader that you are asked to put loyalty in as much as you put loyalty in Jesus or as much as you put loyalty in the Bible. Maybe there is a, 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 a deeper understanding of some sort, a Gnostic understanding or, or secret knowledge that you're asked to put loyalty into. This, again, is dangerous. I'm wondering, did you ever go to a church that asked you to take this other book and put as much emphasis in that other book as you do in the Bible itself? Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. I'm wondering if you, if, if you ever had gone to a church or if you know of, of any church that, that thinks of Jesus as simply a man. He, he, you know, Jesus is he's a good guy. He's a prophet, but he's not God. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. I wonder if you were ever required, or if you know anyone that is required to knock on a certain amount of doors, to go and evangelize to a certain amount of people, to live up to a certain standard in order to be saved. Works doesn't get you to heaven. Maybe, maybe you know of a group that asks for your undivided loyalty to a leader of that group. Maybe somebody who, who had written content in the day that is now part of everyday life of this particular faith group. These 
things are dangerous. Because, see, it's different from the truth. It's like trying to cash a check that's not written out to you. You show up at the Bema seat. You show up at the judgment seat when it's your turn. And God says, okay, how do you, how do you plead? And you say, well, you know what? I've got this check here. God says, this isn't in your name. You show up with something that's not true. It is very, very dangerous. I want you to see what Jesus says in John 14, 6. He says this. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. Watch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what that is? That is an exclusive claim of Christianity. It is a very exclusive claim. There is no other faith system in the entire world that says this. Jesus says this. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So, does that allow for you to get to the Father, to get to heaven by your works without Christ? No. Does that allow you to get to heaven by by believing in a, a human leader? Without Christ? No. Does that allow you to get to the Father in any other way except through Christ? No. There is one way, and it matters. Let me tell you, there are thousands of ways to get to the wrong place, but there is only one road that leads to Jesus. I didn't make this up. I know some in our secular world, when you speak this, I'm going to get angry at you. Look, I didn't write the book. God wrote the book, and he gave it to us. Paul didn't make this up. I want you to see what he says in Galatians. We're going to move on. Galatians chapter 1, we're in verse number 11. This is Paul speaking to his audience again. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message that I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. He says this, Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. We know that Paul that Paul met the risen Savior on the road to Damascus. Paul's message came directly from Jesus. Point number two in your notes is this. Write this down, if you would. No human source can ever change the Word of God. No human source can ever change the Word of God. You can try and change it to what you think it should say, Society can try and change it. False teachers can try and change it. Wolves can try and change it. But no human source can ever change the Word of God. You know, I know you know a a gentleman by the name of Thomas Jefferson. You may not have met him in person. Chances are none of you have. But you know about him from history, right? He had a Bible, and there was some of it that he believed, and there was some of it that he didn't believe. 
he had gone into his Bible and taken scissors and he had cut out all the miracles of Christ. He said, this is more true. We're going to take out everything that, that Jesus, that it says that he did miraculously and change the meaning of the Bible. That's not, a, that's not up to us. That's not our job. The writings of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the first five books of the Bible, it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 2. It says, Do not add or subtract from these commands I am giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. Don't change them. Just obey them. Here's the thing. It is okay not to like it. Right? Some kids don't like broccoli. It's okay not to like it. You have to eat it, right? It's okay for us to, to, to kind of have some reservations at first. It's not our job to change it. We're going to go to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It says this in Revelation 22, verse number 18. This is John writing. He says, And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add that person to the plagues described in this book. There's not a happy ending for those that add to the Bible. There's not a happy ending for those who subtract from the Bible, who multiply what is needed for salvation and go teaching and leading others away from the grace of God. In Galatians in chapter 2, we're going to come to this in a couple of weeks, Paul writes this, he says, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Let me, let me define that. Obeying the law is not, we're not referring to modern day uh, policemen, okay? The law in these days was the Jewish law. It was what the Jewish leaders, it was the rules that the Jewish faith lived by. It was considered the law. And what Paul is saying is you're not making it to heaven by obeying this law. Let's put that into our culture. You're not making it to heaven by following religious rules. You say, I'm just going to show up to church. You know what? I'll go twice, I'll go, uh, twice a month. I'll show up twice a month. Or, you know, I'll throw some money in the plate here and there. Mm, maybe, um, maybe I'll show up at a Bible study. I'm just going to kind of black out my screen. It just has my name. I'm just not really paying attention. I'm following religious rules. But see, religious rules don't get you to heaven. Obeying the law, obeying the rules of religion does not get you to heaven. The only thing is God's grace. Let me tell you something. Grace plus anything is no longer grace. Once you add to God's grace, God's grace is unmerited favor. So God is showing us unmerited favor. It's favor that we did not earn. 
But see, if we add something to that, it's no longer grace. It's something else that doesn't save. Pick something. Pick something in, 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 in your kitchen. You have a bowl of oatmeal, right? Well, if you, if you add something to that, if you add gasoline to that, that's no longer a bowl of oatmeal, right? I know it's kind of a strange analogy, but anything you add to grace, it is no longer grace. And grace, God's grace, is the only thing that saves. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse number 6, James is uh, the half-brother of Jesus. He writes this. He says, but when you ask, and he's talking about asking for wisdom, he says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. What James is saying, and and again, he's talking about asking God for wisdom, but he's saying when you ask God for wisdom, and he's going to give it to you if you ask for it, you need to believe. Do not waver in your belief because a person with, he says, divided loyalty. When it comes to salvation, your faith, you're either in or you're out. There's no lukewarm. There's no in-between. There's no kind of there. You can't walk down the path with everyone else and then walk down the narrow path at the same time. You can't be in two places at once. You're either on one path or you're on the other. Divided loyalty is giving anything or anyone as much accreditation as you give to Jesus. Are you giving it to the church? Are you giving it to a person Are you giving it to another book? Are you giving it to something that you saw on YouTube, the most dangerous place for theology in the world? Divided loyalty is not grace. It takes away from grace alone, faith alone. Come back with me. We're in Galatians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse number 13. Paul writes this. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. We talked about that last week. Okay? And how violently, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews for my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I could proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Last week we studied the fact that Paul was a very devout Jew. He grew up in Torah school. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy had some rank. And then God turned him around. I want you to see this. This is the third point I want you to write down this morning is this. We can all change who we are into who God wants us to be. We can all be changed, and we can all change from who we are into who God wants us to be. Let me tell you something. This might be a shock. You are not who you think you are. What? You are not who you think you are, because your thoughts require human thoughts, right? 
You are not who you tell you yourself you are. It's not who you are. You are, however, who God made you in his image. And chances are, you may not have realized that yet. Chances are. If you're saying, well, this is who I am. I have, I have drawn up an idea of who I am. I'm going to write, write everything about me down on paper. I am going to define myself by worldly titles. I am part of this group. I am this. I am, if child of God is not first on your list, what you're doing is you're taking God's image and you're putting something else ahead of that. You're not who you think you are. You are, however, who God made you. And you don't get to define who God made you. Society does not get to define who God made you. Actually, you, you want to know who you are? It's in the book. It's in the Bible. You want to know what your mission is in life? It's in the book. If anyone brings you a different gospel, a different good news, a different direction other than what's in the book... Paul says, let them be accursed. What's sad is that people who will come with what sounds like good news willingly and purposefully misdirect sheep who are trying so desperately to learn about God and to bring their hearts to him There's so many different messages in our world. It's very easy to get off base. I will tell you, there is one direction. God gives it to us in his word. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 read like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Did you see that? He will show you which path to take. He, being God, eliminates anyone else or anything else showing you what path to take. There is one path. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, writes like this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. See, copying the world is following a different faith. It's copying a different religion. It's copying something else that God did not give you. It's far from what it is our responsibility to understand. See, God has a path for you, and he has a path for me, and he has something for all of us. The world will Change your path if you let it. 
we can all change who we are into who God wants us to be. Some people say, you know what, I'm too rigid. I'm too rigid. This, this, this image that I put out, this is who I am. Or this group that I've decided to belong to, this is who I am. God can change that. As a matter of fact, He wants to. Because if you put an identifier on yourself anywhere, you're putting an identifier above the way that God wants to identify you. Finally, come back with me into Galatians. We're in chapter 1. We're going to wrap up with this. Verse number 22 reads like this. And still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that all they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching a, a very faith that he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. What Paul was saying is that he said, I was among you and you didn't know who I was. But the churches in Judea, which is back in the homeland of Jerusalem, said those churches there... All they know about me is I'm the one who used to persecute the church. But now they know me. They see that God has changed my life. They say, wow, he's the one that used to persecute us, throw us in jail. And now he's preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. I'm wondering if anyone in your life can notice the change B.C. before Christ in your life and who you are now. Or, if who you are now is going to be different from who they're going to see later when you come to Christ. The fourth and final point in your notes is this, is when your life is changed by Christ, people notice. People noticed it in Paul's life. They noticed. He used to be the one that was going around persecuting Christians. I wonder if you know anyone who had ever gone around, and that was their mission. It's just to, just to bag on Christians, just to, to, you know, anyone who goes to the church is a hypocrite. Just to, to, you know, anything that the Bible says, I want nothing to do with it. Stay as far away from Christ as, or the gospel as they can. You know anyone like that? Were you that person at one point? Maybe you see somebody who lived like that at one point, but now you noticed what Christ has done in their life. You can see that now. I want you to know something, is that people will realize that in your life, when your life is changed by Jesus, people notice yes jesus changes lives i want to ask you this and i asked you that this last week what areas of your life are led entirely by your christian faith i want you to think about that this week what areas of your life are led entirely by your Christian faith? What about work? What about school? What about your marriage? 
What about relationships, friends? What about the entertainment that you put yourself in front of? What about the language that you speak? What areas of your life are led by your Christian faith and what areas of your life are led by society's norms? You start writing those down, you create a list. We're going to see on one side is my faith leads me in these areas of life. On this side, I follow society on these on these things here. And we're going to see what needs to move, right? What areas of your life are led by your Christian faith? If your work is led by your Christian faith, people will notice. If your marriage is led by your Christian faith, people will notice. If your language is led. If your involvement in the, in the church is led by your faith, people will notice. We live in a very pleasure-seeking world. Does the gospel matter? Yes, it matters. Does the proper gospel matter? Yes, it matters. Why? Because something very important depends on the truth. Because your eternity and your salvation depends on the truth. Because there is only one truth. There is only one path. It's a narrow path. There's a wide path that everyone else is walking on. It's easy to get lost in that crowd. It's very easy to get lost in that crowd. But if you're following and listening to a false gospel that adds to the Bible that subtracts the deity of Jesus, maybe it multiplies the things that you need to do to make it to heaven, or maybe it divides the believers into some having to follow this, this leader, or it divides you and in, in, in some are, are, are fighting and arguing about different aspects of major, major difficulties when it, when it comes to salvation. Somebody says, you know what, I can get there by work alone, and there's this division. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people in our world who will purposely get us off track. That's what was happening in Galatia. Paul is writing to them to say, I am shocked that you so quickly just start believing somebody else's gospel. Just start believing what somebody else is saying. I came, I preached to you, I told you Listen to this. Listen to this alone. Because anything else outside of this is not brought to you by God. It's brought to you with human intervention that destroys the entire batch. This week I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you to check your beliefs. Check yourself. What is it that I believe and why? 
where do I get that from? Do I get that idea from following a particular secular group or an ideology or a political group or a, a flag? Or is this what the Bible tells me? Because there's only one way. Our job is to be on the right road and to take others on the right road with this. We can't be those that go out and purposefully mislead others. I don't want Paul to be shocked that we so quickly turned from the gospel that he taught us. I want us to be a church that continues to understand what God tells us through his word and hush everything else out except the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you for this reminder from Paul that what we believe matters. And I want to thank you for just those here, here in our room and here on online, who, who, Lord, I know that we struggle with what, what to believe and, and who to listen to and where to go for answers. And Lord, I know that our world provides answers almost everywhere. Answers are simply that, they're answers. doesn't mean they're right. But Lord, thank you for reminding us that there is one place that we know is right and is correct. Lord, I pray this week that as individuals and as a church that we check ourselves on what is it that we believe and why. And remind ourselves that it does matter. This idea that you believe what you want to believe and the truth is truth to you and my truth is truth to me. Lord, that's not what you say. It's what the world says. Our world is sinful. Why are we listening to something or to someone that is taking us down the wrong path? Lord, will you be the loud voice in our world? Lord, I I pray if there's anyone here today or anyone watching who is struggling with what is it that you're trying to tell me, that they come deeper into your word, they come closer to you in prayer, that they'll connect here to the church. There's people in the chat room right now that'll pray with you and that'll talk with you. There's connect cards and somebody will touch base with you this week. If you have questions, let's talk about them. Lord, thank you for the technology to be able to broadcast a church service like this in the middle of a pandemic that continues to to ravish our nation. Lord, I pray your safety upon us as we go back into our households and our family. Lord, we need your help. There's a pandemic that we can't seem to get under control. Lord, there's wildfires in our neighborhoods right now that with all our manpower, we can't control. We desperately need your help. 
your blessing over all of those, all of us here and your safety upon us. Lord, let us be the salt and the light to the world. Those who go into this world preaching the one true gospel and leading others down the one road that leads to you. We thank you and we love you and we praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' name.